This episode of the Holly Fueled Nutrition Podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. To save 10% off your first month of therapy, visit the link in the show notes, which is BetterHelp, better slash Holly Fueled. Hey everyone, I am Holly Samuel and I am a board certified sports dietitian, certified personal trainer, and your podcast host today. And today we are going to continue our supplement myth busting series. And I didn't really know honestly what to title or focus on for this episode because I get a lot of questions about like, how do I boost my immune system? I have a lot of clients who are taking things like you know, emergency or airborne or like vitamin C supplements um, when they get sick or during like colder flu season to prevent them from coming sick. I know a lot of people are thinking about this this time of year or even just going into like marathon training um, cycles and taper because people don't want to get sick before their big race, right? So what we're going to kind of cover today to debunk um, any myths regarding these types of things is really focused on immune boosting supplements. So some of the most common ones. Um, and particularly I want to talk about and dive into the research on the ingredients, um, in these supplements, because there's not really going to be reliable research on like emergency as a supplement, for example, but there might be a lot of research on the ingredients in things like emergency, noon immunity, liquid IV immunity, Airborne, and so on and so forth, like vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, elderberry, all that good stuff. I think these have been around for a while, but during the COVID-19 pandemic, um, we definitely saw a huge surge in supplements claiming to quote unquote boost the immune system because people obviously didn't want to get sick, especially when, you know, getting sick with COVID was super unknown um, and we didn't really know it would happen. So very understandable that one, people were reaching for these supplements and two, fortunately or unfortunately, however you want to look at it, companies were absolutely taking advantage of this. Um, And one of the biggest problems as we know from the series, if you have listened to a couple episodes, um, or if you're new, you know, this is good to know as well, is that supplements are not regulated by the FDA in the US. So you don't really need to jump through that many hoops to put a supplement on the market. You're basically innocent until proven guilty. Um, You don't need to prove that what's on the product label is actually in the supplement. There's been cases where there's like, you know, kind of scary things in supplements that are not supposed to be there. Um, or basically that there's just really nothing in it that's actually helpful and it's essentially snake oil and they're taking your money. So we definitely saw a huge resurgence of these types of supplements during the pandemic. Um, and a lot of it has persisted since then, um, as we're kind of in a different state with COVID now where, you know, it's almost treated like a, a flu or something like that. Um, so whether you are concerned about COVID, the flu, the cold, you have kids, they get you sick all the time. They go into the germ jungle at school and bring home whatever it is. Maybe you work in healthcare or maybe you work in a school and you're finding yourself to be sick a lot. Um, or maybe not, you're just kind of wondering like, what's the deal with these supplements? Do they actually do anything? 
this is the episode for you. We're going to dive into some of the down and dirty of this. So we're going to cover in particular um, some of the ingredients in these supplements like vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, and elderberry. Um, I'm also going to talk about some kind of clinical pearls at the end of the episode for things that I see in practice and that I see in research to actually be helpful when it comes to either protecting your immune system um, and supporting it and also like what to do if you're finding yourself sick. (laughs) Um, Because we don't really want to boost our immune system, right? Like boosting our immune system suggests autoimmune disease where our immune system is too strong and it's attacking itself. Like we don't really want to boost our immune system. Um, even though I know that's kind of the jargon that gets thrown around a lot, what we want to do is support our immune system. We want to build a strong immune system. Um, but we don't really want to like boost our immune system. That would be autoimmune disease. (laughs) So, um, in terms of supplements and like brands that I'm just going to cover a little bit because they tend to be the most popular ones that I hear about. We're going to cover emergency, airborne, noon immunity. Um, So if you know noon, the hydration company, you know that they make an orange tube. That's their immunity blend Um, and liquid IV immunity. Same thing. If you know the hydration company, you know, and have probably seen that they make a it's, it's always orange. Um, they make an orange tube as well, um, or an orange packet, if you will. And honestly, there's so many others that I could cover, but those are the big ones that I get asked about the most as a sports dietitian. Um, so that's going to be the general layout of this episode. As always, this is not individualized advice. This is not a replacement for a relationship with a registered dietitian, nor does it constitute medical advice. So make sure that you discuss any of these things with your dietitian and with your physician prior to supplementing. Okay, so first let's dive into some of the actual like ingredients that tend to be in a lot of these heavy hitter immune quote unquote boosting supplements. So vitamin C, (laughs) um, you've probably heard of it, right? This is a big one. So this is probably why when you think of airborne, emergency, noon immunity, liquid IV immunity, those types of things. Vitamin C is like the main and active, you know, quote unquote ingredient in these supplements. Um, that's why they're, they're coated orange because vitamin C is typically found in like citrus fruits. Um, and a lot of these supplements tend to be like orange or lemon flavored for that purpose. Um, vitamin C tends to be included in these supplements as exorbic acid, um, which is, pretty, it like tastes citrusy. Um, but I do also want to note that really high doses of absorbic acid can cause GI distress. Um, I had one client who was taking a really high dose of vitamin C every night just because she thought, you know, maybe this is protecting my immune system. And it was giving her really, really bad reflux because it was just sitting in her stomach overnight. And she always woke up with epigastric pain and reflux. Um, So it's not benign, even though, oh, it's just vitamin C, it's fine to take, right? So we do want to be mindful of the timing and the dose of some of these things. So what does vitamin C do? It supports like many cellular functions um, of the immune system, and it does this by enhancing the ability to protect against infection. Vitamin C also stimulates antibody formation and improves white blood cell and neutrophil efficiency, which are responsible for basically like cleaning up, you know, anything in your body that's not supposed to be there from a 
viral or pathogen attack perspective. Vitamin C is also super helpful for like adrenal health, um, which we know is really helpful for managing our like stress um, and our stress response. So if I do have someone who's and I know I have a lot of you who are um, really burnt out um, during or after their training cycles, and they've got, you know, maybe really high or even like low um, levels of cortisol, um, stress hormone, or you're having a really hard time sleeping, but you also are exhausted all day. Um, those types of symptoms, a lot of the times, you know, incorporating vitamin C in addition to so many other things that we'll talk about at the end of this episode, um, can help with like adrenal health as well, because it does help with building those types of tissues. But we really want it to come from food and not supplements. So when it comes to the recommended daily allowance for vitamin C, um, this is a water-soluble vitamin. So typically, if you're not using as much as you're getting, you will pee it out. Um, but again, that doesn't mean that there's not risk to taking too much. So the recommended daily allowance is 90 milligrams for adult males and 75 milligrams for adult females. The upper limit um, of our vitamin C intake is 2000 milligrams. Um, and basically, we see so many supplements that are real close to that upper limit. Um, and um, again, it's a water-soluble vitamin. So it's something where, you know, yes, we'll get rid of it, but it can cause issues too. And just for reference, like an orange, like one small orange fruit um, has about 50 milligrams of vitamin C in it. So if you're having like a piece of fruit or two, if you're meeting your fruit and vegetable needs, which we'll talk about in a day, it's very likely you're meeting your vitamin C needs and you don't really need to worry about a supplement. Um, if you are deficient in vitamin D, you may um, end up with a condition called scurvy, um, vitamins, or I'm sorry, vitamin C. Um, vitamin C is also very involved in our hair, skin, and nail integrity. It, you know, creates tissues um, throughout the whole body and is incorporated with collagen. So um, that disease can happen if you're not consuming really any vitamin C or enough of it. But that's super rare. Like we don't really see that anymore unless you're um, like struggling to find a home and you're not getting access to fortified or fresh produce. Um, so that's something to keep in mind, but this is super rare. I did have a client who um, did get a scurvy diagnosis because she got some blood work done and her hematologist recognized that she was deficient in vitamin C. The hematologist thought that's just because the client didn't drink orange juice, even though the client had plenty of vitamin C in her diet. So if you have like a scurvy diagnosis, but you consume any fruit or any vegetables or any juice or anything fortified at all, um, it's much more likely, which was the case for this client, that you're not absorbing your vitamin C. And that is a red flag to do further testing and not just slap a vitamin C supplement on it and send you about your merry way. That's what happened to this client. Um, I was like, you have a scurvy diagnosis? Like, that's not that's not normal. <laughs> um, and she ended up getting diagnosed with celiac disease. Um, and this is super common with gut health conditions where we might be consuming 
plenty nutrients, but our, our GI system's just not absorbing it. And she didn't really have that many GI symptoms too. So it doesn't always present <laughs> with GI symptoms. Um, if you have IBD like celiac disease. So just thought I would note that as well, but it's really, really rare to find someone with a true vitamin C deficiency nowadays. Um, so in terms of the research on supplementation for vitamin C, how effective is it? So basically we find that it may help reduce the incidence of the common cold for certain populations like those exposed to extreme exercise, which is probably who's listening to this podcast. Um, those in very cold environments, elderly and chronic smokers. So if you are supplementing and, or you're getting enough through the diet, this is probably going to help reduce you getting the common cold. Um, if you are like marathon training, um, it also may shorten the duration of the cold. If it's taken before the onset of symptoms, this is the hardest part. Like, how do you know you're going to get a cold before you get a cold? <laughs> right. Um, so we can't really always predict when supplementation or increasing our vitamin C intake would be a good idea. So sometimes during like colder flu season or right before, you know, your goal race, especially if you're going to be traveling and being exposed to other people and germs, sometimes my athletes will, you know, supplement with vitamin C short term if they tolerate it well, or we'll just focus on improving that in their diet, which is honestly super easy to do. It's not hard to do that, um, which is what I prefer people do because supplements are not regulated by the FDA. So there's that, but there's really no evidence that vitamin C prevents the common cold in the general population. So, you know, it might not be worth buying a supplement is what the research <laughs> basically shows. If you do have an infection, there may be some benefit to taking high doses of vitamin C, particularly if you have like a wound or again, tissue that needs to be healed. Um, but overall, much more practical just to get vitamin C from your diet and also make sure your gut health is good. So you're absorbing it. Moving on to vitamin D. Um, so vitamin D is again, you guys have probably heard of this. Um, I did a whole episode actually in my micronutrient series, I think two or three years ago on the podcast on vitamin D, iron, magnesium, zinc. So if you are new to the podcast, um, I did it on the show when I was still using the old name for my business before we rebranded, but you can scroll back to 2021. I think it was in the summertime ish, um, and listen to an entire episode on vitamin D because I'm just going to glaze over it, <laughs> uh, for the purposes of this episode. But Vitamin D regulates signaling pathways and immune cells and immune response mechanisms. So it is, it's very important for the immune system. It enhances pathogen fighting effects of white blood cells. So it kind of helps make them stronger and it prevents tissue damage associated with excessive inflammation. If you didn't know, vitamin D is a fat soluble vitamin. So if you do take too much of it, it can become toxic pretty easily. Um, and we mostly get it from the sun and also from things like liver, sardines, egg yolks, and mushrooms and fortified dairy and non-dairy alternative products. So I tend to find that a lot of my clients do not get enough vitamin D. Most of my runners have vitamin D deficiencies um, when we first start working together if they are not conscious of supplementing, especially if they live basically in the Northern hemisphere. Um, if you live in the North, there's a pretty good chance that you're not getting enough from the sun, which is our main source. Um, and you may be deficient and vitamin D is also very important for bone health. Um, and 
you know, not enough of it or not optimized levels um, can be associated with like stress fractures, osteoporosis, and other things too. So we're just focusing on like the immune system component of vitamin D today, but there actually has been quite a bit of like research on vitamin D since the COVID-19 pandemic because we were finding basically that people who tended to be sick in the hospital with COVID, so who were very, very, very sick with COVID, um, tended to have low amounts of vitamin D. So um, it's something that really we found functions more like a hormone than a vitamin, just because of how involved it is over the course of the entire body system. Um, and there is more research coming out on it, which is kind of cool. So the recommended daily allowance for vitamin D is about 600 international units for adults between the ages of 19 and 70. The upper limit is about 4,000 international units, and the preferred supplement source is vitamin D3. Um, that being said, just like vitamin C, I do have people who need more than the upper limit if they have a deficiency or if they live in a place where they're really not going to get it from their diet or the environment. So um, we don't want to take a vitamin D supplement willy-nilly. We want to get tested first um, to kind of find the correct dose because I have people who don't take any and get it from diet and they meet that 600 international unit recommendation pretty easily. And I have people who need to take mega doses like, you know, 20,000 international units or more by prescription. So um, there really is a really wide range and you don't just want to blindly supplement, especially with a fat soluble vitamin, because it can become toxic to your liver and decrease your immune system, which is obviously the opposite of what we want. So how effective is supplementing vitamin D when it comes to immune system health? Again, we're, we're not covering bone health, mental health, other things vitamin D is concerned with. Go check out the podcast episode on vitamin D if you want to learn more about that, including what optimized blood range levels are for athletes because it's different than the sedentary population. But low vitamin D is associated with an increased risk of upper respiratory tract infections like COVID-19, the flu, and asthma. Um, it's also been shown that supplementing may be beneficial, again, for certain populations during certain times of the year even. So I have clients where in the winter when there's really no sun, if they live somewhere like, I don't know, New Hampshire, which is where I live, they might have to increase their supplementation and then maybe they can decrease it in the summer. Um, if they're getting outside and sun stronger, although that's not always the case. Um, and if you do have darker skin tone, you are typically at increased risk for vitamin D deficiency. And vitamin D is best absorbed with a fat source because it is a fat soluble vitamin. It is also best utilized when consuming it with vitamin K2. Um, basically, vitamin K2 helps vitamin D and calcium affect your bone health and immune system health instead of just circulating in arteries. Um, we don't want too much calcium in our arteries. So vitamin D, that's kind of the roundup there. Definitely helpful from an immune system perspective, but we really want to be getting enough of it all the time. We don't want to be mega dosing when we're sick. Moving on to zinc. So zinc is a mineral, um, very abundant mineral in the body. And I also did an entire episode on zinc in the micronutrient series in 2021. So scroll on back. But zinc promotes immune cell development and communication and proper immune system functioning. That's kind of how it works in the immune system. It helps prevent foreign pathogens like the cold, flu, 
COVID-19 from entering by protecting tissue barriers and acts as a danger signal to help combat invading pathogens. So zinc is really important for our tissue integrity. Um, it also has been associated with helping like wound healing, surgical healing, um, because of its association with wound healing and skin integrity. Deficiency in zinc is associated with imbalanced immune reactions. So if you consume adequate protein, you're going to get enough zinc in your diet. Um, so you don't really need to worry about this. Again, if you have trouble consuming adequate protein, which a lot of my athletes do, um, if you are a vegetarian or a strict vegan, um, where you're not getting as much bioavailable zinc. And again, if you have gut health issues like celiac disease, IBD, IBS, uh, dysbiosis, where you're not absorbing what you're eating, if, especially if like consuming protein, like doesn't always sit well with you, then you might be deficient in zinc. Um, but taking zinc long-term, um, above what's needed, which the upper limit for zinc is 40 milligrams. Um, the recommended daily allowance for zinc is eight milligrams for females and 11 milligrams for males. If you're taking too much of it long-term, this is not a good thing. And this is something that I, I saw a lot of people doing um, at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. They would start to take zinc because they thought it would boost their immune system because that's what was advertised. Um, and it was a really high dose, you know, like 30, 40 milligrams, even 50 milligrams. But then they took it long-term. This is not good because this can impact your iron status. It can impact your copper status, your magnesium status. Nutrition and minerals are very synergistic. If you're taking way too much of something for a long time, it tends to throw off other things. And in runners, we know how precious our iron status is. A lot of my clients struggle with iron deficiency and anemia. And again, I did a whole episode on iron in the micronutrient series in 2021. So scroll on back and visit that if you want to learn more. But just thought I would mention that. So in terms of supplementing zinc, is it helpful? When is it appropriate? It may help prevent and shorten the duration of respiratory tract infections when taken while you are sick, okay? It is well tolerated at recommended dosages, but long-term supplementation can lead to suppressed immunity, decreased HDL levels, which is our good cholesterol, which we don't want that to be decreased, anemia, copper deficiency, and basically urinary tract infections. So, that's why we don't want to take it long-term. We want to take it very intentionally short-term. It may also inhibit the absorption of penicillin, tetracyclines, and other drugs. So you do want to run that by your doctor, especially if you're using it while you're sick or trying to recover from like a surgery or an infection. Um, and again, absorption is inhibited by iron supplements and phytates. So something to keep in mind. We don't want to supplement long-term with zinc. We want to use it strategically, but overall, we just want to get enough from our diet because if you're not getting enough from your diet, chances are you're missing out on other micronutrients too. Moving on to elderberry. So elderberry, it's been around for a while. Um, this isn't necessarily a vitamin, a mineral, or an essential nutrient, but it is something like herbal um, that I tend to hear about often this time of year. <laughs> so elderberry flowers, and berries contain flavonoids, which may have some antioxidant and immunologic properties. Elderberry bark, leaves, seeds, and raw or unripe fruit contain cyanogenic glycoside, which is potentially toxic. So we do want to be getting it from the flowers and the berries, um, which is where you know, you're going to find it in most supplements. But 
elderberry, um, kind of like a lot of other antioxidant rich foods. I tend to tell people if you're looking for like an inflammatory or I'm sorry, anti-inflammatory diet, um, and you want to incorporate foods that are anti-inflammatory, immune supporting, um, injury supporting, post-surgery supporting, et cetera. If you're trying just to reduce your inflammation, um, think about things that stain elderberry, pomegranate, berries, cherries, beets. So like dark red things tend to benefit your gut microbiome and therefore potentially your immune system. Elderberry is just an example of one thing that's in that category. So basically how effective is supplementing? There's no like recommended daily allowance or upper limit known for elderberry because it's not an essential nutrient. But when it comes to supplements, again, they're not regulated by the FDA. And it should be noted that a lot of the um, studies done on elderberry were funded by the elderberry supplement companies. So again, not always something to, to write off in terms of the study, but should be noted because there's going to be definitely some bias and potential conflicts of interest. But it was found that some antiviral effects in lab animal and human research was found with elderberry um, supplementation. Also, some antibacterial and antiviral effects were found against bacterial pathogens in test tube studies. Uncooked elderberries are known to cause nausea, vomiting, or toxicity. So we don't want to just consume uncooked elderberries. We want to, it to be, you know, the flowers or the cooked berries. Um, and there is evidence for enhanced immune system response. But again, this is in test tube studies. It may help shorten cold duration and severity and reduce symptoms if you're taking it while you're sick. Um, but again, a lot of this research is preliminary, more is needed. Um, and current research really kind of shows that it's not necessary to supplement with elderberry syrup um, or elderberry you know, puree or anything like that. And most studies were not done on humans um, and were sponsored by manufacturers. So we can't really extrapolate that data as cleanly um, as we could for some of these other ingredients. So if you like elderberry, if you feel confident about the sourcing of where you're getting your elderberry, go for it. <laughs> um, but know that taking too much of it or getting it from a poorly tested source um, may actually harm you. And also it's not necessary to take it. There's other things you can do to help. So basically the bottom line for some of these particular ingredients is vitamin C, you're likely going to get plenty from your diet. So you don't need to supplement regularly, but supplementing may reduce common cold duration when taken uh, before the onset of symptoms and findings are mixed on this. So if you just want to be safe and you want to take it the week before your marathon, go for it. Um, if you, you know, are working in a hospital full time and you're not training for a race in particular, it may not be something you want to take every single day. You just want to, you know, cover your bases with your diet. Vitamin D supplementing may be helpful in certain times of the year for, for certain populations. Um, but we really need to get tested so that we know what dose is appropriate. Zinc short-term supplementation while you're sick or while you're recovering from surgery or have like a wound may be helpful. Um, and they can be useful to supplement when you are like deficient in zinc, if you're a vegan or if you don't get enough protein, but it would be better for you to get enough protein <laughs> from your diet. Um, and we covered elderberry. So before we dive into um, basically some of these popular supplement brands, um, let's just take a minute to hear a word from our sponsor. 
Thank you so much to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of the Hollyfield Nutrition Podcast. Regardless if you have a clinical mental health issue like depression or anxiety, or if you're just a human who lives in this world who is going through a hard time, therapy can give you tools to approach your life in a different way. And that's why I am so excited to tell you about today's sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp's mission is to make therapy more affordable, more accessible, and this is an important mission because finding a therapist can be really, really hard, especially when you're limited to the options in your area. BetterHelp is a platform that makes finding a therapist easier because it's online, it's remote, and by filling out just a few questions, BetterHelp can match you to a professional therapist in a little as a few days. Um, when I used BetterHelp, it was a few hours. <laughs> um, so it is truly a very quick and easy process compared to um, what I've had clients experience and what I've experienced myself in traditionally trying to find a therapist through the healthcare system. It is really easy to sign up and get matched with a therapist. There is a link in my description, which is betterhelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash hollyfueled, which is H-O-L-L-E-Y-F-U-E-L-E-D. And that link is in the description. Clicking that link helps supports this podcast, and it also gets you 10% off your first month of BetterHelp so you can connect with a therapist and see if it helps you out. Because finding a therapist can be a little bit like dating, if you don't really fit with the first therapist they match you to, which is super common in healthcare and therapy, you can easily switch to a new therapist at no additional cost without stressing about insurance, who's in your network, or anything like that. So if you are struggling, book the appointment, get started, consider online therapy with BetterHelp, visit the link in the description. And again, if this is something that you think is going to help you or you're nervous about it, taking the plunge is the most important first step. And then BetterHelp is going to let you sort out the rest. Now let's get back to the episode. Okay. So now let's dive into four of the most common like immune boosting quote unquote supplements that I hear about. The first is emergency. You've heard of it. Um, this supplement is typically like an Everessent tablet that you dissolve in water. It contains a thousand milligrams of vitamin C, which is notable. That is quite a lot of vitamin C. Um, it contains some B vitamins, about two milligrams of zinc, which is not a super high amount. And they do have a lot of other like types of this supplement now that can have um, vitamin D and zinc like more zinc in it, elderberry syrup, that type of thing. So basically emergency is a mega dose vitamin C supplement. <laughs> um, so in terms of how we want to use that type of supplement, we kind of covered that already in the episode. It might be helpful preventatively to, you know, prevent you from getting sick for a short period of time, but I don't really recommend it long-term, like more than two or three weeks at all. And it's probably not really going to help you once you are sick. Um, you want to get enough vitamin C from the diet. So emergency, that's what's notable. Moving on, airborne. This one is also very popular. Um, also has 1,000 milligrams of vitamin C, so notable there. It also has 600 milligrams of vitamin A, which we didn't really cover, but vitamin A is another fat-soluble vitamin, just like vitamin D, that can help with immune system function. Um hair, skin, and nail health, eye health, and a lot of other things too. Um, it helps with iron absorption and mineral use as well. But 
it's a fat soluble vitamin. So too much of it can be toxic and we want to be kind of careful with that. 600 milligrams is kind of a high dose, um, especially to take kind of willy nilly in supplement form. It's got eight milligrams of zinc, which is kind of covering your RDA for most people. Um, some B vitamins, it's got 230 milligrams of sodium, which is an electrolyte, which we'll talk about. And it's got a, kind of an herbal blend in there too, including things like ginger, elderberry syrup. Um, so basically the active ingredients here are primarily vitamin C and a bit of electrolytes. Um, so similarly, I would kind of, you know, use this the same way as emergency. However, what's notable for airborne, which is why I don't recommend airborne for athletes, especially is it does have extra ingredients to sweeten it, including sorbitol, which can cause a lot of GI distress. So if you're like, ah, oh, I'm going to take something before my race preemptively to not get sick, like don't take airborne. <laughs> it's going to probably increase your risk of diarrhea, which is not what we want. Um, it also does have asulfame, potassium, and sucralose, which are artificial sweeteners. Did a whole episode a year ago on artificial sweeteners. Um, but just thought I would mention that because, you know, some people don't like to include those, but the really big problematic one is sorbitol. We don't, we don't want diarrhea, uh, just because we're trying to take a bunch of vitamin C for no good reason. Right. So don't really recommend airborne, um, noon immunity. So this is typically, or definitely is like an Everescent tablet as well. You dissolve it in water, a lot of you are probably familiar with noon products. I don't know if it's noon or none, but I'm calling it noon hydration immunity products. Um, and basically this particular supplement, I'm looking at the orange citrus flavor, which seems really redundant to call it orange citrus. But anyway, um, it's got 200 milligrams of vitamin C. So a pretty like reasonable amount. It's still above the RDA, um, but it's not such a huge mega dose that I'm concerned about it causing GI distress or being too much. Um, but it may not be as effective if you are using it for preventative purposes, but it might be a little bit more appropriate if your diet is complete. Um, 450 milligrams of vitamin A, which isn't nothing. So just notable there. It's got 10 micrograms of vitamin D. So about 400 international units. So again, um, for most people, that's not a huge amount, but it is notable five milligrams of zinc, um, hundred milligrams of sodium, which is our electrolyte component, got an herbal blend as well. That includes things like elderberry and ginger, um, turmeric and echinacea. Um, and it is sweetened with stevia. So again, I covered stevia in the artificial sweeteners episode. Um, I know stevia is a natural sweetener, but it's covered in that episode. Um, so just noted there as well. So in terms of this supplement, um, I'm mixed on this. Like to me, I'm like, this is kind of useless. Like <laughs> just get these things from the diet. Um, and you'll probably get a little bit more, um, of your bases covered. And if you need to supplement things like vitamin D, like, or electrolytes, you can do it in a more targeted way than this supplement. Um, so I don't love this one, but I also don't hate it because it's probably not giving you too much of anything, um, unlike some of these other ones that are not as benign. So it's okay. Get it from the diet. Liquid IV immunity. So 
Liquid IV has 500 milligrams of sodium. So this is a lot more electrolytes, which is a bit more substantial than any of the other examples we've seen so far, which is kind of what Liquid IV is known for. Most of their supplements have 500 milligrams of sodium. For runners, so for the population I'm probably talking to on this podcast, um, this is this is a good amount. Like We do have higher electrolyte needs than other people. Um, and when we're sick, it is really wise to make sure you are staying hydrated. So I like this. Um, I kind of like this component of liquid IV for like the average sick person who's sedentary and doesn't do a ton of training outside of being sick. Um, it's hit or miss. Like it might be too much. It might be just fine. Kind of depends on the person, but for runners, I like it. 370 milligrams of potassium. This is also more substantial than the rest of the, um, brands on this list. Electrolyte, helpful. It's got 10 and a half milligrams of zinc. So again, not nothing, um, not something that most people need long-term, but could be helpful from a um, preventative perspective when taken it that way. But we want to meet that through the diet. It's got 504 milligrams of vitamin C. So again, this isn't nothing. You know, this is this is more than our noon immunity tablet. Um, and it's about half of what's an emergency and airborne. And for that reason, I do I do like it a little bit better. It's a little bit more um, of what we're looking for to try and like, you know, again, cover our bases the week or two leading up to a goal race when you just don't want to get sick. It's probably not going to be that helpful once you are sick. Um, and we are still wanting to meet that through the diet, but this is probably going to boost it a little bit without potentially giving you issues. <laughs> um, so I do like that. It also has baker's yeast, um, which kind of is another ingredient that we'll talk about from a clinical perspective that may or may not help with gut health and immune function. Um, It is sweetened with stevia and incorporates B vitamins as well. So out of all four of these, I like liquid IV the best. Um, I do have a discount code for liquid IV. You can visit the link in my Instagram bio to use it for, I think, 15% off. They're not sponsoring this episode, but um, I do like that one the best because it's somewhere in the middle of all of these where it's not just like useless, <laughs> um, but it also isn't way too much. And the extra ingredients in it probably aren't going to be harmful from like a GI issue perspective. So that kind of covers our popular supplements. Now I want to dive into some clinical pearls. Um, so basically like, what do I recommend when, when a client reaches out to me and they're like, Hey, I'm getting sick a lot, or I really don't want to get sick for this race, or, you know, I feel like I'm starting to get sick or I am sick. (laughs) What do I do to boost quote unquote, my immune system? And again, we're talking about this from an immune support perspective, the biggest things which are ongoing all the time for athletes. One of the biggest reasons why athletes or just people get sick, like more often, if you're finding yourself getting sick more than like two or three times a year, um, is because extra stress on the body, like your training, um, or all the other things you're doing on top of training, training is one of the biggest insults to your body. It decreases your immune system. Okay. Like it is a direct hit on your immune system because that stress takes up precious ingredients like vitamin C, um, to combat the stress, to have antioxidant effects on that stressor and there's nothing left to fight the common cold. Okay. So the biggest things that you need to do are not overtrain, make sure you're eating enough and make sure you're sleeping enough. And I know I sound like a broken record because I say that I think on every episode of this podcast. Um, 
going on like four years strong here, but it's so important. Like we need to be doing this all the time. My clients and myself included, and my people that I know who eat enough, sleep enough, and are smart with their training and aren't constantly assaulting their bodies with back-to-back marathon training cycles or back-to-back races or doing way too much and burning the candle at both ends, they are not getting sick as often. Um, And that is because they are supporting their immune systems by just supporting their overall health uh, the most. Okay. So those are the most important things that we need to be doing. So when my clients contact me and they're like, Hey, I feel like I'm getting sick. What do I do? My biggest thing is, well, that makes sense because the past three weeks, you told me that you traveled, you drank more alcohol, you didn't eat enough because you weren't planning ahead and you did all your training anyway, besides not sleeping. So I'm like, kind of makes sense that you got sick. Um, Or you went through a very, very stressful event in your life. You got divorced. Someone died. Um, You know, you went through just even a seasonal transition back to school or change of environment. Makes sense that you got sick. Okay. So Again, we want to support our bodies best that we can. So to prevent yourself from getting sick, I recommend sleeping at least seven hours a night. If you are sick, if you can sleep more than that, do it. Um, I recommend getting in basically enough food. Um, I have so many resources on this. A good place to start would be the Am I Fueling Enough Masterclass, which you can find in the library that I'll link in the show notes. Um, We need to eat enough calories point blank. If we don't eat enough calories, our body's not going to have enough energy to make white blood cells (laughs) and other things that we need. So we need to do that. We need to be consuming at least three servings of fruit and at least three servings of vegetables in a day. If you are carb loading, that does not apply for those particular days, small percentage of your entire training cycle as a whole, but we really should be getting in three servings of each of those in a day. And that's just going to help you meet your vitamin C needs among so many other micronutrients that can help support your immune system. It also is going to help you meet your daily fiber intake, which is really important to feed the good bacteria in your gut that make up the majority of your immune system. If we're not feeding them good food with fiber in it and carbohydrates and plenty of micronutrients, they're going to die and they're not going to do much for our immune system if they're dead. So even if you're taking a probiotic um, or you're eating probiotic rich foods, that is cool and peachy. But if you're not giving those bugs the food that they need, which is prebiotic fiber from whole foods like fruits and vegetables and whole grains and legumes and enough of them, they're going to die and it's going to be useless. So can't emphasize a balanced diet that is adequate enough. In particular, if you are sick and you want a clinical pearl, um, especially if you have like a cold or anything where you're mucusy, um, consuming pineapple can actually really help break down mucus because of the bromelain enzyme in pineapple helps with mucus breakdown. So clinical pearl there, if you're sick and you're like, I, I really, a lot of people crave fruit when they're not feeling good. There's a reason for that. It's because it has vitamin C, um, and other things choose pineapple, give it a shot, put it in a smoothie, you know, have it, you know, plain, do whatever you need to do with it but pineapple can definitely help. Um, When it comes to your diet as well, again, we want to get adequate protein because that is going to help us meet our zinc requirements, among other things. Um, Amino acids that make up protein help make up enzymes and cells and tissues. So if we're not meeting our protein needs, we're not going to be doing so hot building things that we need to have a strong immune system, essentially like building your soldiers and your infrastructure of your immune system. Um, So that's definitely very important. 
Um, when it comes to types of fats in the diet, we want to make sure we're getting enough fat. That's going to help us absorb immune supporting vitamins like vitamin D, vitamin A, and vitamin E, and vitamin K, which are all fat soluble. They need fat to be absorbed. Um, if you have a hard time absorbing fat, you get GI issues when you have too much fat, um, you don't have a gallbladder, you should probably get tested and work with a dietitian to make sure you're getting enough because that can be tricky, but it can be done. Um, when we when we do consume fat, we want it to come from unsaturated fats mostly. And we do want to prioritize getting enough omega-3 rich foods in the diet. This is going to help with reducing inflammation and therefore helping our immune system among so many other things. So just to kind of give you some parameters, having oily fish like salmon, sardines, or tuna or mackerel at least two to three times per week from wild caught sources is very, very, very helpful um, when it comes to meeting these needs. If you're like, ew, I hate fish, or you're like, I'm never going to do that, or you're like, I don't have access to fish, then you need to take a fish oil supplement. It needs to be a high quality one. I recommend Nordic Naturals or Barleans. Um, they are both going to be linked on my full script account, which you can make an account on, get 10% off these supplements when you search the catalog in the show notes. Um, you really want to be taking 1,000 to 2,000 milligrams of omega-3s from a high quality fish oil supplement in order for it to do anything for you. Um, and you want it to have at least 400 milligrams of DHA in it. There has been plenty of research to show that if you do take 400 milligrams of DHA while pregnant or breastfeeding in particular, you and your infant are more likely to not get sick. Um, so that's pretty cool. Again, among other things, there's a lot of other benefits to taking and getting enough omega-3s in the diets. If you're like, what about plant-based sources? Plant-based sources of omega-3s like chia seeds, walnuts, flax, algae, they are good. We do want to consume those daily, but they are not complete omega-3 sources and they are missing key components that are helpful for immune function. Um, so I recommend supplementing. When it comes to probiotic-rich foods, um, this is definitely one that I get asked about a lot. Gut health, real important for our immune system, like I kind of started to touch on. When it comes to supplements, basically the research on probiotics is um, <laughs> ongoing forever. We're never going to know everything we need to know about probiotics and about the gut microbiome. It's like outer space. Like we know a lot about it, but we probably won't ever know everything because it's just so big and vast of a topic. Um, but what we do know is that supplementing with a probiotic um, for 12 weeks, that is multi-strain, potent, and diverse like, um, for example, Clara Labs, um, Therabiotic is my favorite personally. That is also on my full script account linked in the show notes um, that you can purchase. Supplementing for 12 weeks can decrease the risk of getting the common cold or incidence of getting the common cold by 12%, which is not nothing. Um, so again, what's really important here is that it's multi-strain. So taking a single strain probiotic, um, a lot of those are found like in, in pharmacies, like Culturel is popular, um, that type of thing. Those are single strain. They're not effective at all for, for basically preventing the common cold in terms of research. Um, some studies also show that supplementing with a probiotic, even if it is multi-strain, shows absolutely no benefit to prevent you from getting sick. So what's a girl to do? I recommend you can definitely try a probiotic. If you don't tolerate it well, if you get more GI distress, um, that can actually indicate that there's something not quite 
going well with your gut health and maybe that would warrant further stool testing with a informed dietitian like myself. Um, but I would recommend getting probiotic rich foods in your diet. Um, it's not going to be perfect, but this is going to help make sure that you're inoculating yourself with healthy gut bacteria. So yogurt, um, you know, kefir, um, sauerkraut, kimchi, kombucha, those types of things can be very helpful. You want to make sure the label says live and active cultures in it. Um, and again, we want to be consuming plenty of prebiotic fiber from fruits and vegetables and whole grains and legumes by consuming an adequate diet in order to feed those good bugs. So something to consider the research on probiotics for immune system. There's just not enough we know about it yet. And it's mixed. That's kind of the takeaway there. Um, when it comes to other things to incorporate in your diet, um, if you are like, I don't want to get sick, or if you're currently sick and you're trying to get better, I recommend cooking with herbs, like using spices. Um, I don't really recommend supplementing with them unless you're doing it with a qualified professional because doing really high doses of things like oregano or garlic or bergamot, um, or turmeric or like those types of things in too high doses can really have poor effects on your gut health. It can be antimicrobial, which is good for not getting sick, but bad if we're killing off good gut bacteria that we really wanted to be there because they support our immune system. So I wouldn't go supplementing with these things, especially because supplements are not regulated by the FDA, but I would recommend using them in your cooking. <laughs> so like cook with garlic, cook with oregano, cook with things like honey, turmeric, um, things that can have some supportive benefits. Again, research can be mixed on some of these things, but if you're cooking with it, you're less likely to overdose um, and you're less likely to get the negative effects, but likely to get some of the positive ones and it makes your food taste good. So go for it. In terms of if you are sick, um, some things to consider that I recommend. So if you're like, I got a cold or I have COVID or I have the flu or I have a virus and I'm just not feeling great, um, that type of sick, I would recommend one, anything that you can get into you from a food standpoint is a good idea. So I don't recommend just waiting it out if your appetite sucks. Like I do recommend trying to eat something, even if it's a lot of liquids, um, even if it's a lot of plain foods like bagels, eggs, um, cereals, those types of things. But something you can also think about incorporating, adding in bone broth can be super helpful. Um, bone broth um, can definitely help you get a little bit of extra protein and amino acids in, in addition to collagen. Um, it can also help with like zinc and mineral status. So it can definitely help you when you're sick. And if you're drinking it warm, you know, that can just feel good. Um, if you're not doing so hot, also recommend consuming things like ginger tea and or throat coat tea. Um, these, these have a little bit of different properties. They can both benefit gut health. So ginger can help with, um, you know, if you're nauseous, it can help with, um, like reducing GI distress and calming the gut. Um, and your throat coat tea, this is just one that I'm listing by traditional medicinals because it has ingredients that I like without anything weird in it. Um, this has things like marshmallow root. Um, and I think it has ginger in it too, actually, but a lot of ingredients that can help one coat your throat literally, but also soothe the GI tract. 
Um, so this can be really helpful if you are sick as well, or even just to have, like, if you don't want to get sick, um, I recommend throat coat tea. Um, in terms of respiratory support, so if you're having like a respiratory issue, um, there is some research to show that like aromatherapy via inhaling um, like eucalyptus essential oil from a high quality source, not just a fragrance. If you're buying it like at Walmart or Target or on Amazon, it's very likely that there's actually no essential oil in the product. So you want to look for one that is tested like Young Living is an example. That's what I personally use. Um, but you can find these in other places too. That can definitely help with respiratory support, um, inhalation. I tend to keep, um, my favorite blend from Young Living is Raven. It has a couple different eucalyptus blends in it and wintergreen. I'll keep it in my shower and I'll put a few drops on like the soap dish and it, with the mist of the shower and the steam can really have a respiratory supporting effect. That's just one of my favorite ways to use it. I also have their Thieves chest rub, which has eucalyptus in it. And it's kind of like a natural Vicks um, vapor rub. And I'll put that on my chest or I will take it with me when I travel just in case. And I'll also take a little bit and put it right on my nostrils um, when I go to sleep. So again, you can use things like aromatherapy, um, essential oils to help with respiratory support. But again, we don't want to like really consume these things necessarily, unless it's from a food-based source. I think there is eucalyptus in a couple versions of the throat coat tea, um, just anecdotally. So another thing is we want to make sure we're staying hydrated. This is not just water. We want to have water, yes, but we also need electrolytes, especially for you athletes who are getting sick. Um, you know, if you're getting dehydrated and depleted because you're not eating or drinking while you're sick, and then you try to just return to training when you feel a little bit better, you're going to feel like you basically went on a crash diet for a couple of days. It's not going to feel great. Um, so I definitely recommend one, not returning to training until you are able to meet your nutrition needs at least one or two days in a row. Um, and two, making sure you're staying hydrated so you can avoid dehydration or even hyponatremia. Um, if you've been throwing up, if you've got a lot of diarrhea, this is going to be extra important. You really probably want to be getting an extra one to 2000 milligrams of sodium per day with plenty of water. Um, be liberal with it. And that will probably help you feel better. Um, especially if you're trying to return to training. So that's definitely something to keep in mind. You can use something like liquid IV or element. I did a whole podcast episode on electrolytes and another one reviewing different electrolyte and sports drink supplements back in, I think the summer of 2023. So make sure you go back and listen to that. If you want to know what I recommend, it's not sponsored by any um, supplement companies either. So it is relatively unbiased. Um, so those are all things to keep in mind from a clinical pearl perspective on what to do to prevent yourself from getting sick all year round. And also some things to consider when you are actively sick or feeling like something's coming on. Um, those are definitely things to consider that are really outside of supplementation or fancy immune boosting supplements. Like these vitamin C supplements, there might be something to them, but there's a lot more to everything I just listed. So I highly recommend people focus on that. Um, and it's likely that you'll get sick less often if you're able to do those things. So I really hope this was helpful. Um, 
I could probably do an, an entire year of podcast episodes on this topic. Um, but that's kind of the down and dirty, even though this episode is going to end up being longer than most of my supplement myth busting series episodes, because we covered quite a bit. Um, so kind of the key takeaways are have a well-balanced diet, eat enough, get enough sleep, don't overtrain. Um, that's going to help you prevent you from getting sick the most. Um, take care of your gut health. And if you do feel cold or something coming on, or you're just wanting to be proactive before the marathon, continue like or consider like a medium dose vitamin C supplement while continuing to get enough through the diet. Um, that could be something like liquid IV, or you could just try to eat extra vitamin C rich foods, which is really not hard to do. And it can help you carb load. <laughs> um, make sure you're checking your vitamin D status probably every, you know, six months or so um, via blood work. I use inside tracker with my clients. Um, you can see their discount code for me in my um, link in my Instagram bio, because they're not sponsoring this episode. And um, you also can take zinc while you are sick, but I wouldn't do it for more than a couple weeks because it can interfere with iron status. And any extras like elderberry syrup, ginger extract, it's kind of fancy cherry on top stuff. It's probably not going to make that huge of a difference from what we know in research. So what you're doing year round makes the most difference in your immune system health. Um, that's kind of the key takeaway here. So if this was helpful, I'd really appreciate one, you giving it a share and tagging Hollyfield Nutrition on social media. Um, and also a five-star rating and review. If you think I am worthy of that on your favorite podcast player, that just helps um, get the show to more people, get this free info to more people. Um, and if you do want to support the show by supporting sponsors of the show, you directly support the show. And also, if you do need more support, if you like learning about nutrition, if you um, are looking for more resources, check out my online learning academy, which is linked in the show notes. Until next time, happy running. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 